Capital of the world. A stiff screen. Hoji will defend. Oh! LeBron James with no record for human life. It's the TC Martin Show. Flight nine is cleared for landing. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Gasol says, hey, pass a big ticket. TC Martin. And here comes the Birdman. And a very happy Bobby Bonilla Day, July 1st, Bobby Bonilla Day, we all know what that means, don't we? Yes. Show me the money. (laughs) Show you the money, show me the big check, that's what we're talking about. July 1st, Bobby Bonilla Day, so a happy Bobby Bonilla Day to you. Don't you wish we all could get checks on July 1st? For the amount of $1,193,248.20. Probably doesn't go as far as it used to. <laughs> exactly. T.C. <laughs> Martin, Ballpark Frank with you on this thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Bill Lambeer will join us today. He is uh, kicking back in L.A. He gave the Aces an off day after their resounding victory last night over the L.A. Sparks 99-75. to they are hanging in L.A., maybe on the beach. Maybe Bill Lambier is doing some surfing today. That's the rumor that I got. And they uh, get ready for their second game against the Sparks on Friday before they come home back to Vegas. And they play here for the first of three home games as uh, we get ready for the Aces on Sunday against uh, the Atlanta Dream. So, so is he actually a big surfer? Is he more like the, the the boogie board or the body surf or different things, or is it surfing, surfing? You know, I don't know if he's a surfer, period, but he is a guy that is from Southern California. He grew up there, so uh, it begs the question. But uh, we appreciate Big Bill for taking some time out of his off day today to join us. So apparently he's uh, maybe not surfing if he's going to have time to join us on the radio today. So we'll get his thoughts regarding last night's game. Plus, we'll talk with him about the WNBA All-Star game here coming to Las Vegas. And, of course, uh, many, many aces on the uh, the All-Star team. Well, two actually on the All-Star team. And, of course, Chelsea Gray and Asia Wilson, part of the U.S. Olympic team. And that will be the All-Star game this year on July the 14th. Back at the Mandalay Bay, a little bit different format, which I'm kind of looking forward to. It'll be the U.S. Olympic team, the women's national team, getting ready for the Tokyo Games, and they will be playing a all-star team comprised of the WNBA All-Stars. And, and that the, is the five-on-five format. Correct, yeah. And uh, with Liz Cambage and Erica Hamby made the all-star team, and that announcement was, was made yesterday. So congratulations to those ladies. Matthew Holt will join us a little bit later on as well, too. Matt, our great uh, sportsbook guy, as well as his own company, U.S. Integrity. And uh, not only is today... July 1st, meaning Bobby Bonilla Day, where uh, Bobby Bonilla gets uh, another check, even though he's basically been retired now for 20 years. I think 2001 is when he retired. But uh, today is the beginning where college athletes can actually be paid for endorsements, the naming and you know likeness, uh, imaging and likeness uh, deal that went through officially today. So there are several college athletes they waited until 12.01 this morning, signed their endorsement deals, and we'll get into some great detail about that today. Yeah, and, and uh, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I know I hear some people saying that maybe guys won't be going right to the uh, pros as soon or something. I don't think they're going to be making the kind of money that's going to make them stay away from turning pro and trying to get those first rookie contracts and that taken care of. I'm also curious to see how if they're allowed to sign their likeness and that, can they individually go out because... Uh, even if you are doing autograph signings or have a way to make money off of your likeness, something tells me that a starting quarterback for a big program is going to make more than a third-string tight end or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some interesting uh, stories here, and it, it'll blow you away when we dive into this thing about how how some of these lesser-known athletes are making six figures, believe it or not, with endorsement deals. 
it's it's mind-boggling and there are many women women athletes in some of the you know i don't want to say auxiliary sports but you know with uh, with volleyball, women's basketball, some of these other things, because well, this might be a big year for people like with track and field or something. Exactly, like that. yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, we find out that a lot of these athletes are making money via social media as well, too, and it goes to the Logan Paul scenario that you know when you look at you know these young athletes in the early twenties, uh, they they got a social media following. They're going to be able to cash in with this now as well too so we've got some pretty interesting stories we'll, we'll dive into that so but anyway let's uh, let's start and let's talk about uh bobby bonilla day and those that are not familiar with it the famous contract that went bad for the new york mets and actually went great for bonilla uh the mets released him after he hit a buck 60 uh back in 2000 and the Mets said, you know, we, 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 he has no production. He's been injured. He's getting up there in age. Let's get rid of him. But they signed him to a $5.9 million was left on his contract. He still had two years left. Now, we think of that number today, and we think, that's paltry. That's nothing, right? But think about it. 20-plus years ago, Benia signed a pretty big contract. But in relation to today's terms, he was only owed – less than $6 million, and had two years left. That was it. And so the Mets said, you know, we got to get this off the books, so let's defer these payments down the road. And they structured this contract, and still to this day it's iconic, and that's why everybody talks about it on July the 1st. They restructured his payments to go from 2011. Okay, And remember, this is 2000 at this point in time. 2011... To run through 2035, and they said, we're going to defer these payments for you, but we're going to give you 8% interest and make 25 equal payments of $1,193,248.20 each. So every July 1st, that's what Bobby Bonilla gets for a grand total of $29 million. 29 is what Bobby Bonilla's contract turned into being because of inflation and 8% interest 21 years ago. So in their infinite wisdom, somebody in their accounting department found a way to turn $6 million into $29 million and convince everybody that it was a great deal for them. Are you crazy? And Bobby gets to do nothing? Bobby got to retire? Well, he wasn't doing much more than nothing on the field already <laughs> anyhow. So That's what difference true. does it make? That's true. But how about that? To do less... To not even have to go to training camp, to not have to suit up, to not even take BP, just to kick back and be in retirement. And I'm going to do nothing and get $29 million, the biggest joke of a contract in the history of sports. And the New York Mets, to this day, are still the laughingstocks and still living this down. And guess what? They're going to have to continue to do it for another 14 years. This contract goes through 2035. Now, if something happens to Bobby, and certainly don't want that to happen, is it contingent that then his next of kin or somebody like that, that they still pay it out? I don't know the answer to that. And it's, and again, I, think, and, and, right? and I don't mean to be... It doesn't just but, disappear, but I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, you think that it's still going to have to You're be trying to say out. somebody could have had him knocked off. Well, no, I'm, I'm just saying no. that Bobby Benny is not a young man anymore yeah, either. yeah. You know, I mean, things happen to He's people. 58, by the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so. which isn't super old, yeah. but it's, you know, so it, it, it's just, I, I, I'm just wondering what those meetings look like where somebody pitched this and they went, yeah, what a great idea. Let's do that. We owe them $6 million, so instead of just getting it off the books now, let's draw it out for 25 years and pay them over $29 million. Yeah, it's not going to hurt mean, us. It's like... What is this Lucky Luciano's loan department or something? And if if you're like one of the local loan companies where Bobby lives, and he comes in on like June 28th and says, "Hey, I want to borrow like a hundred grand or something like that oh, for yeah. a short term loan," and they go, eh, "I don't know, a hundred grand." He goes, "No, no, I'm, I'm getting a million dollars on you know Friday. How about going to Vegas? Needs a marker, right? Maybe maybe he wants to bet on a game, you know." Maybe he wants to unload on an NBA playoff game. Hey, can I get a marker? Well, how much you need? How about a million? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Check my contract out. Okay, you're good. <laughs> the, the toughest thing in Bobby Bimania's world might be the fact of, you know, 
okay, now I only get this paycheck once a year, so I got to make sure that that lasts throughout. I mean, you know, divvying it up and making sure that you still have some. And maybe he's got a bunch of money in the well, bank or something well, as well. Well, you know, I don't this know. guy is still collecting the pension. The guy played, what, 20 years yeah. so in he gets Major the, League Baseball, So he gets right? a pension throughout the year, uh, and then this is like the, sure. the big bonus balloon payment yeah. every year. You know how everybody gets a Christmas bonus at the end of the year? If you're a good employee in your company? It's his signing bonus to not play. Yeah, yeah. And you get in the middle of the summertime, too. Hey, vacation's paid for. No problem. Well, I know one thing. When the Mets used to have those signs up there, you got to believe. Bobby believes in them. <laughs> now, how about if you're Bobby Bonilla and this happens in 2011 and you get that check and like, wow, I'm doing nothing. I've retired for 10 years now and I get 1.193. You know, I'll get a check for that. And now here it is. He goes to his mailbox today and says, wow, it's only 1.193. You know, I don't know. Probably doesn't have that same elation as he used to. Well, you know, it's difficult to ask for a raise or something like that when your job is literally doing nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, you know, I did nothing really well last year. I think I should get more for it. <laughs> uh, some other athletes in some similar situations, not quite as sweet as Bobby Bonilla's deal. Brett Saberhagen, uh, he receives $250,000 a year from guess who? The Mets! <laughs> they did it again! For 25 years. Those payments began in 2004. Yes, I guess that was the inspiration. Bobby Bonilla's contract was the inspiration for the for the Saberhagen deal. Huh? So at least if you're a Mets fan, the Saberhagen deal will be off the books sooner than Bobby Bonilla's. <laughs> Manny Ramirez. There's, there's another guy you just really love paying, don't you? Jeez. He'll collect $24.2 million from the Red Sox through 2026. And let's don't forget Ken Griffey Jr. will receive $3.59 million from the Reds every year through 2024. Uh, Griff's only got a couple more years of that coming, huh? Yeah, he, had a, he had a deferred nine-year deal for $116 million that he signed back in 2000. Yeah, he, he better start learning how to uh, you yeah. know eke that out and realize that he's, that's not going to be lasting forever here. Todd Hilton, remember him from the Rockies? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, get uh, $1.3 million from the Rockies every year through 2023. Part of his $13 million deferred deal when he signed a two-year extension back in 2010. So we always talk about Bobby Bonilla. There are all, these guys, and all these guys were great baseball players, superstars. Ken Griffey Jr., Manny Ramirez, Todd Helton, very good uh, player himself. All cashing in via what the Mets did, this mistake by the Mets did, and these other teams. And how about the Mets? They blew it twice. They did it with Saberhagen, too. Well, they blew it afterwards. The, they blew it the first time with Saberhagen, and then it said, you know, we really didn't blow that badly enough. Hey, Benia's coming up. Let's get rid of him. We'll really make people have something to talk about this time. Unbelievable. Now, now, do, do other, are, to your knowledge, are other sports, do they have this kind of stuff going on in other sports all over the place or to this extreme? No, no, the, the NBA does some things like this with, with some deferred payments, but nothing like this. I mean, Major League Baseball is its own beast. It's its own worst enemy. And, again, you have salary caps in the NBA and the NFL. That's, you know, and where the NFL gets you, you they give you, you know, the signing bonuses. So they may not have a big-time salary, but they'll get you $25 million upfront signing bonus. So I guess it's, it's the way you look at it. Right. But, but then they'll cut you before your contract's this out, and then all of a sudden you're just done. No so allegiance, it, right. There's no, there's no 25 years down the road they're still paying Correct. for somebody. Correct. When the guy thinks they still got five years left yeah. on their contract, they're like, hey, guess what? This uh, rookie kid out of so-and-so, yeah, he's going to come in and do what you do for like a quarter of it, so you're gone. Yeah, and that's Major League Baseball. They're their own worst enemy. Again, that's you know why... They don't have a salary cap. It's a, it's, it's a nightmare. It's, it's a wild, wild west, you know, with them. But So Steve Cohen bought the Mets, you know, recently. And so he thought he would get in front of Bobby Bonilla Day. Steve Cohen had the bright idea that when he bought the Mets, he wanted to celebrate this failed contract every year. So he said to his organization, you know, let's, we're tired of being the laughing stock. Okay, well, you know, we're just going to deal with it. Fine, give Bobby his check. So let's just... Have a Bobby Bonilla day at the ballpark where how about we invite Bobby to come to the ballpark and we give him an oversized check for that amount that he gets, you know, every, every July 1st. And then we drive him around in a nice little car for a lap around the stadium and, and it's Bobby Bonilla day. 
Are they giving away Bobby being a bobbleheads? Uh, well, here, not so fast, my friend. So that was the idea. And for some reason, it didn't pan out for this year. So they said they're going to start this next year. So instead, Steve Cohen comes up with this other genius idea. All right. Instead, he's allowing fans, and please follow me on this because I'm going to need some help understanding it because I'm not sure I do. For Bobby Bonilla Day, starting this year, they're allowing fans to book an Airbnb stay for four people at City Field for $250, which includes the use of the team gym, a shower, that's nice of them, and includes throwing out the ceremonial first pitch before the Mets-Braves game on July 28th. And fans can request this by going online. It's a first-come, first-served deal starting at noon July 8th, the week from today, by booking under the, the name here on the website, Private Room, hosted by Bobby. Is, how is this a celebration? This sounds like to me they're asking people to purchase this, right, for $250, and they're going to give you a shower. And in, in, in into the gym. You'd think, I mean, since they want to do this and they want to celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day, why don't they, would, why don't they call it an Air Bobby Bonilla <laughs> instead of a B&B? I mean, it's already got the, the initials in there. And how is this to help defer the payment so that they can pay part of that over $1 million every year? I'm, I'm not really sure how this plays into it. Uh, but And you just hit something that I didn't even think about. Is this why they're doing Air B&B? For Bobby Bonilla, no. The first, when you first it, said B and B, that's the first thing that I, I didn't in my get head. that. But now it makes sense. But I don't get this. I mean, wouldn't you think that you are, you know, doing a promotion to give somebody something or give fans something or to celebrate this? But instead, you're charging them money for this for an opportunity to throw out the ceremonial first pitch. So now we're charging people to do that, and we're going to let you use the gym and and take a shower. <laughs> Well, I mean, for some people, that might be a bucket list kind of thing or something like that, throwing out a first pitch. I mean, that might be cool for some people. And let's face it, there's a lot of people with a lot of money in New York, but I'm not sure that I don't really understand the tie-in. Yeah. I mean, why don't they get more creative? I mean, since it's – if they want to – every time there's a rain out, it should be Bobby Bimania Make It Rain Day. (laughs) You know, you get your ticket stub and you get a ticket to another game down the road or something or – I just, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's the Mets, so. It's the Mets. You know, <sighs> meet the Mets, beat the Mets, yes. uh, because otherwise they'll just beat themselves by paying people contracts for 40 years after they've retired. <laughs> so Bobby Bonilla, on this special day, he's got something to say. What do you got to say, Bobby Bo? For the first time ever, the Mets and Airbnb have teamed up to give you a once-in-a-lifetime night at City Field. Hi, I'm former Met and your host, Bobby Bo. Let me take you on a virtual tour of this amazing space. Here are some of the amenities you'll enjoy if you spend the night at the ballpark. Check out all this memorabilia, including a few signed baseball signed by yours truly. Take a look at this place. This is the ultimate experience for the biggest Met fans. You'll get to sleep in your own suite overlooking the Jackie Robinson Rotunda with views of the original home run apple. It's one of the best rooms in the ballpark. This customized space has everything you'll need to have a luxurious stay inside the famed ballpark. You'll have access to a gym for a workout and a shower to keep your game day routine. In addition to your stay, you'll have your own private suite for the Met Games on July 28th and 29th. You'll be able to show off your arm as you'll get to throw out the first pitch on July 28th. Mr. and Mrs. Met will make a visit to make your stay even more memorable. You have quite the night ahead of you, and I'm glad you're here. Enjoy the game. Let's go Mets. So Bobby Bo is on the payroll. So, hey, Bobby, we're paying you this chunk load of money here. Why don't you go ahead and uh, you know, voice over this, uh, this, this promo that we're going to do for you. But uh, there's a couple things in this. Okay, so you get to overlook this, but the famed ballpark? When has City Field become a famed ballpark? It's probably famed in that neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> Queens? Could be. Exactly. Queens! We love Queens! Let's go back to Queens! Come into America to see Bobby Bonilla. Yeah, exactly. 
Where are Mets fans here? Where's our boy Magnum, Mr. Matt? Where's he? I want I want to get his thoughts on this. Well, here's what Mets I, fans give me the give your take. You have to pay two hundred and fifty bucks for this. Here's what I want to know. Pay to pay less, you can go stay at the higher to the Hilton. Did Bobby Bonilla agree to just promote all this stuff, or did Bobby Bonilla and his agent say, "Look, you guys already have to pay me this for nothing." Did they pay him even more to do that video and do other things there? Did he get a raise from his contract of doing nothing? Because now he is doing something. See, I would think that, you know, Bobby would feel, well, you know, I feel a little guilty taking your money. So, yeah, I'll do it. Mets ask him. He's been taking it it for over 10 years and didn't do anything. But but maybe he said, like you said, he goes, well, now you're asking me to do a little bit more work, you know? You're asking me to do more work? You got, I got to read. That, that, I got to. I got to read a whole page. I probably, that was probably about five or six paragraphs. You know, that that million bucks that you're giving minutes. me does doesn't stretch out as far as it used to. You know how prices have gone up in New York a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, and is is the cachet of getting to hang out with Mister and Mrs. Met really that big of a thing? <laughs> so they say it's a first come first serve base. So there are what multiple people that that can do this. So. The Mets are trying to make some of that, that money back. Well, I mean, you do get the sweet. You do get to throw out the first pitch. And, again, a lot of people have a lot of money, man. But I'm confused here. We, I mean, this is for one game on July 28th against the Braves. I thought, have, I thought he mentioned a couple of different you, dates that you had that you could be in the suite there. Well, but he's talking about throwing out the first pitch at uh, uh, for the Braves game on July 20th. You only have one person that can do that. Unless this is just, what are they going to do? Have you been to some of the ball games where they have like five people throwing out first pitches? I I know. Well, yeah, not that many. But yeah, you're right. I've seen five people throwing out first pitches. You're talking about minor league baseball over here. But in a major league game, I've seen a couple. Yeah. So I don't know. But you know what I mean? What are they doing with this thing? I mean, why are they talking about July 28th throwing out first So after you check in, yeah, he's going to welcome you virtually. going to get the... City Field uh, tour. So he's welcoming you virtually. He's not even going to be there oh, when you wow. check in to wow. hang out with him. Yeah, there you go. But then you get an autographed ball in your yeah. Airbnb <laughs> waiting for you. Yeah, but you're overlooking the famed City Field. Did he get extra money for autographing the memorabilia that he did? Yeah, they're going to have everything you need, they say, there, from supplying you with the unlimited Cracker Jacks and batting helmets filled with ice cream. To coordinating your own turn on the mound and more. Go figure. So you are getting to throw the first pitch off the mound. Because some places don't let you go on the mound. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that, that that could be a difference in the deal making. Mm. Bobby Boday just gets better and better every year, doesn't it? Crazy stuff. All right. Uh, our good friend TJ Reeves has, has left Las Vegas. He left very, very happy as the lightning Get another victory last night. Montreal outplayed them for a majority of the game, didn't Montreal they? Montreal outplayed them for pretty much that. In yeah. the second period, they completely dominated. Vasilevsky stood on his head. If I'm Montreal right now, I might be upset that I'm not tied 1-1, but I'm not going back up to Montreal thinking this thing's over. I mean, they looked really good last night. Mm-hmm. And the, the, although they got some penalties, and you don't want to get that many penalties against Tampa Bay, their penalty kill kind of looked like they did against Vegas again. I mean, they were solid, and I have a feeling that Carey Price might want, uh, you know, one if not a couple of those goals, those shots back. He was screened a little bit, but he got some looks at him, and he got a got a piece of the body on it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know there's no such things as moral victories, and you're, you're playing against seven-game series. You certainly don't want to give one away. But you can certainly make the argument that Montreal should have won that game. Vasilevsky was without a doubt the number one star of that game. He was sensational last night because Montreal not only had a lot of shots on goal, they had good quality chances on goal. And Nick Suzuki, I mean, we talk about Caulfield a lot, and certainly you want to, but Suzuki's a tie with Vegas. Wow, that kid is already sensational. He looks like he might be a guy who's really going to be making some noise in this league. Yeah. Youngster, what, 20, 22 years old? Twenty, Yeah, that's it. And, yeah, and, yeah, the first time I remember interviewing him, and I think he was like 17 or something, you're like... Vasilevsky, 20, 42 saves last night. 42 saves. He was fantastic. And, you know, Montreal, if they would have gotten that game last night, they're not thinking we're saying, hey, there's a series. And I'm still, after watching that game last night, I'm thinking... We still have a series. Now, Montreal's got to play games three and four up there. They've got to so win up there. They have to win yeah, up there. They've got to. And there's, 
I don't know about you, but for me, there's no reason why they can't. We saw what they did to the Golden Knights. And conventional wisdom says, you know, especially after game one, they lost 5-1. I think people were thinking, okay, th- this team's tired. Okay, they've had their run. They've tired. They've been through these long series. It's, it's, it, it's time for them to go night-night. And then they showed up in game two when they needed to. And again, a goal with, what, three-tenths of a second? At the end of the second period. That was a back-breaking goal. That was I mean, it, that, yeah. I mean, that was a that made great, it two-to-one. That was a great effort play by Montreal to keep that puck alive. But, yeah, I mean, and, and that's one of them that I think Carey Price would like back. I mean, I, I think he thought time was basically out. And, you know, to Tampa Bay's credit, they found a way to get it past the goaltender. But to be leading 2-1 to one after two periods when you were just completely dominant, I think the shots on goal at that point were like 29-15 in favor of Montreal or something. I mean, the Canadians outplayed Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay got the win, but that's the crazy thing about hockey. The best team of the night doesn't always win the game. Game three in Montreal, and uh, they, they petitioned, I guess, uh, the Canadians, NHL petitioned the Canadian government about more fans. They said no. 3,500 fans. Yeah. That, that's all it's going to yeah. be there. But so. outside, have a party. Unlimited. You 15, know. 20, 25, 30,000, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. So game number three uh, tomorrow. I've got a feeling the Canadians are going to show up tomorrow. Got a feeling they're going to show up and, and maybe even win that game. I think they will win that game. It would be nice to actually have a series. See a little more hockey, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I certainly wouldn't mind seeing it at all. I mean, I still think Tampa Bay is the best team. I thought they were going into the playoffs this year, even though they were the third team in their division. Uh, they're the defending champs, but uh, this Montreal team is, has, has, they've certainly gained my respect. I mean, they're they're a lot better than I thought they were. or Gave them credit for going into the playoffs. All right, uh, we'll see if they're fatigued or not. Game three tomorrow night, NBA playoffs tonight. The Milwaukee Bucks playing without Giannis tonight. Trey Young questionable. He sounds like he's going to play. Uh, so this is the only series that's going on because last night it ended for the Clippers. They got blasted again, one thirty one oh three. Phoenix gets the victory, wins series four to two. They advanced to their first NBA final since nineteen ninety three. So yeah, we'll dive into that a little bit uh, later as well too. All right, when we come back, uh, Bill Ampier is going to join us from LA as the Aces are. Uh, having an off day today after their victory over the Sparks last night. They hang in L.A. They play again tomorrow. So we'll talk to Bill Lambeer regarding the Aces' victory and a whole lot more. It's T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank for you on this thunderous Thursday edition. You're listening to some bullshit on the T.C. Martin Show. So the Las Vegas Aces victorious last night in L.A. 99-75, the final. Asia Wilson, 17 points, 10 boards. Jackie Young, 18 points. Liz Cambage, nice performance by her, 13 and 11. Six double-digit scorers. The Aces, 18 for 19 at the free-throw line last night. Out-rebounded the Sparks, 55-39. 27 assists. I was pretty impressed with that uh, as well, too. So the Aces now approved to 12 and 4. Tied with Seattle for the best record. And joined us now, the head coach, Bill Lambeer, enjoying his off-day in Los Angeles, cut your own, your hometown neck of the woods back in the day, right? What's going? On? <laughs> yeah, a long time ago. I'm glad I'm out. <laughs> All right. So off day, Bill. What are you doing? I, I've heard some reports that that you were you were surfing today. You were contemplating surfing. Any truth to that? No, I tried surfing when I was in high school. It didn't <laughs> it didn't fly with me. So no, <laughs> no. Today was just you know catch up on some work. Uh, it's been hanging out there personally and professionally, and a few players went to the gym and got some shots up, but most of the players took the day off completely. So I want to know what would happen if, say, you and Asia, you guys went down to Venice Beach and uh, you know you, you wanted to get a little two-on-two action. How, how, would, how would that work out? How would that work out for you guys? How would it work out for the opponent? Take on all comers. <laughs> no, we're basketball players, and we... <laughs> We have games to play, and we want. And with days off like this, you just want to sit around and do nothing because you want to try to recoup your bodies and your minds. And oh. you know, it's just not how this business works. Bill, you know, I was, I was just joking with you. I was just having, I, I, I was, okay. <laughs> just, oh my goodness! So, hey, let me ask you something. You know, again, we always talk about uh, you know the aces and basketball and that sort of thing. And, I, and I'll get to that, but um, a little bit like on, on the lighter side, what kind of of response do you get like say when you go to like an la 
um, you know, or these teams or these cities, I should say, that that you played against when you were a player with the Pistons, like say L.A., Boston, or Chicago. Uh, obviously, I know you get recognized, but like in a place in L.A., uh, any any type of, uh, of feedback that that fans give you, or I mean, they come up asking for autographs, or they kind of give you a, you know some dirty looks, bad time, anything like that. Uh, well, you know, I'm I'm six eleven, so I can't hide. Right. Um, so, and then the recognition factor comes in, but mostly. Over the course of time, half of them, half the people were never around at that time because they weren't born or they were just too young to remember how old I am. Um, the uh, but those that were, you know, remember the times. Um, it's a respect factor there um, because the game has changed so much, and they we were in the heyday of, of everybody will say that was the best basketball. So there's a respect factor there. Um, there's not they, all that all of the animosity from the fans is all got long gone down the road. Uh, it just bottom line is it just they all miss those days mm-hmm. and they wish those days were back. Right, right. What kind of treatment did you get back in the day from from Laker fans uh, in comparison to you know uh, Chicago Bulls fans or Boston Celtic fans? You know back in the day when you get, when you would go on the road. Well, the Lakers were always the, the premier franchise. So we were the up and comers and and we disposed them. So there really wasn't a it wasn't. They're in the West Coast, we're in the East Coast, so the rivalry wasn't as intense as a Boston or Chicago over the course of time. So L.A. always thinks they're the king of the world, and, you know, that's how Californians are. Uh, we put them in their place, and but that, that was the end of them for a while. So it, the rivalry never really got heated up. Certainly back in those days, it was known for its physicality of the way that the game was played. Um, was it that physical on a night-to-night basis? Did you kind of go out there knowing that it's like it was almost like a, a prize fight in the paint? Well, very hands-on um, defense, uh, you know, and, and pushing, shoving. Uh, freedom of movement was not even a thought process back then. A lot of hand-checking in the guards. Um, actually, it, it was more, more physical uh, in the generation before mine. Uh, and they cleaned up a little bit, but it was still – you know, holding, grabbing, pushing, shoving, uh, you know, strongest person wins in the post type of stuff. Uh, but that's just the way the game is played, and you adapt. And I know you don't have much time to, to watch uh, the NBA nowadays and that sort of thing, but when you do or watch... Desire. Or desire, right, exactly. I was going to say that. I mean, I was going to ask you, do you really have a desire? And, and when you do look at it, I mean, do you look at it like, man, this you know game has really kind of deteriorated and, and it's not enjoyable to watch for you? Well, I don't care about it to begin with. Um, but the second point would be uh, the players are just so bigger, faster, stronger at all positions, that, and the floor remains the same. Um, there's no space to move uh, with, uh, with the ranginess, is a good word, uh, or the athleticism of today's athlete in basketball. Uh, it just, it's just there's nowhere to go. <laughs> and so you can't get the free-flowingness of, of five-on-five basketball. It becomes one-on-one. Uh, two on two at, at the most, uh, and it's just you know, it's, it's for me from the old school. It's difficult to watch, mm-hmm. but hey, from the new people, they don't know any different. Right. I'm sure you've been asked this a hundred times, and I apologize to ask you it again. But when it comes to the physicality and that kind of stuff, who was the toughest guy that you ever played against, or the one that on one night you were like, "Boy, I know it's going to be a little bit black and blue after this game." Oh, the strongest guy you ever played with was Artis Gilmore. He was like a tree trunk. You can't you can't move him. He's just he's just a physical power down there. Uh, Daryl Dawkins was a big, huge being, but he really wasn't an overly physical, um, demanding person. Shaq came in; it was a pretty good physical presence. But Artis Gilmore was probably the biggest uh, tree trunk there was out there in my time slot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, bringing it back to the women's game here, Bill, you know, we do hear a lot of people say, I like watching the women's game, specifically the WNBA, because of the ball movement. It's not like the ball does get lost, you know, in the post. And and it's it's not like the current NBA where, it's, you know, we're seeing 35, 43s uh, a game. Speak to a little bit, uh, you know, to that. And do you feel that the women's game is much more pleasing to the eyes? Yeah, Johnny Wooden a long time ago said he'd rather watch women's basketball than men's basketball. Um, and so did Al Davis, and, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it, it remains the same concept. Yes, the women's game is more of a, a five-on-five basketball because the athleticism, it, it doesn't overwhelm the court or the rim. 
so you have to play a team basketball game. Uh, and, and it's fun to watch. It's, it's, everybody gets the chance to be involved in the action. Uh, you know, your weaknesses are exposed. Your strengths are enhanced. Uh, and, and the teams have to play, you know, their defenses accordingly. Um, so it's a lot more strategy and a lot more on both ends of the ball. Uh, and I just think it's um, a better game to watch. Bill Lambeer joins us, head coach of the Las Vegas Aces. Aces victorious last night, 99-75 over the Sparks. Of all those things that I said in the beginning of this, Bill, when I talked about Asia, you know, 17-10, and 10, Jackie Young, Liz Cambage, out-rebounding the Sparks last night, the 27 assists. What stood out for you uh, last night as, uh, as kind of the high point? Uh, I think that, you know, the assists were a big positive. Um, the most important thing is I got G. Sue a lot of minutes. Yeah, 20 um, minutes. 20 minutes, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. Is, is career high. Uh, I got her a lot of minutes, so she, she's working very hard in practice, but I haven't been able to get her in the game very much because of the intensity of some of the teams we're playing. She just needs more experience. Uh, so that was a big positive for us. I thought uh, Kelsey Plum played a good floor game. Uh, with assists and rebounds and scoring. Uh, but I think, uh, more importantly, we came and took care of business. Uh, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're finding our stride a little bit. We have a long way to go still. But in games like this, you want to come and you want to make sure that you come out and take care of business throughout the 40 minutes. And if we do that, uh, we're going to have games like that when the other team doesn't play well, where we're able to get a substantial lead and everybody can relax a little bit. I can play Asia. You know, twenty some odd minutes, not thirty some odd minutes, and get her a little bit of rest, and and just and, and more importantly, just have fun at times. You still have to have some games where you have to have fun in order to get through the long regular season. You mentioned getting Jisoo Park uh, some minutes last night, and again, what twenty two years old? That's all she is. She's still you know developing here, and then uh, you know Destiny Slocum. She's had some uh, not many minutes uh, at all. Uh, give me your take on her, and when you have games like you had last night, uh, you, you try to get her more minutes to, to run the point? Yeah, she, she, she works hard in practice. She's, she's, she's probably the hardest worker in practice, but that's what, that's what bench players do, right. especially when they don't play. If they don't work hard in practice, then what are they doing there? Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she works very hard. She works on her game. Uh, doesn't get a lot of opportunity to show it in the, in the games. And so, but she gets in there, you know, every time she's gone in the game for a few minutes, uh, she's always made the shot. Uh, normally it's a three ball, uh, but she also can run the show and, and push the ball up the floor and get players involved. So, you know, it's, it's fun for her too. I know bench players don't get a chance to play, put their heads down a little bit and wonder why me and when am I going to get my opportunity, but she hasn't done that this year. Uh, she realizes looking around the league, she's a second-round pick, and most of the second-round picks are long, long gone by now. Even some first-round picks are long gone by now. And she's still standing on one of the best teams in the league. So I think she takes that to heart and is here just to enjoy herself and see how her career plays out. You know, we know the nature of the business, that the roster changes year in and year out, and you, you, whether it's free agency or you know through the draft and that sort of thing, and trying to find those missing pieces to make your team complete. How do you feel about the structure of this roster that you have right now? I think we got all bases covered at the moment. Um, you know, I can play different people at different positions, which is what I've always strived to do with all my teams, uh, whether they're one or two or a two and a three or a three, four or a four, five. Um, so I have a fair amount of buttons I can push throughout the course of the game, depending on matchups and who's playing well or who's not. Uh, we only have nine players right now. Um, Started with 11 in Los Angeles, and now we've made a transaction where uh, Joyner Holmes uh, was let go. So we have to add one more spot coming up. Uh, I expect to fill that in the next day uh, so we can have our full complement of 10 players. And maybe at the buzzer this year, like we did last year with Evan Cannon, add one more roster spot with like a week to go because, you know, this salary caps right now are extremely tight around the league. The new CBA uh, is starting to get implemented, and it's putting a lot of pressure on a lot of teams with salary cap problems. And we'll, we're no exception moving forward. We've got to start paying some of these young players. We'll have our moments too. But, um, yeah, we're okay. we just got to add one more piece, and then that's who we have going forward. 
With this season, with the All-Star Game and then, of course, the Olympics coming up, is there a unique challenge to you as a coach to try to uh, figure out exactly how to get your team to be playing its best then knowing that there's going to be a bit of a break and then you're going to have to kind of start up again? Uh, it, what is the difference with this year because it is an unusual situation with the Olympics involved? Uh, I think this year actually helps us to a point. Um, we have an end, an end game here, and the end game is the break. Uh, otherwise, we'd be going in a month and a half, and that, that's you know the dog days of the season uh, get upon you when you don't know which way you're going to go. But I think the break is coming, and we're pushing very hard mentally and physically to make sure that every night we come and take care of business and, and just crank out as many wins as possible. Uh, the problem is going to be after the break when most teams are going to be practicing for 10 days or so, but two weeks before it starts back up, and we're going to have five missing pieces over in Korea. Um, so that's going to be, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. I think it's going to be, they'll be in shape coming back, but you still won't have the same cohesiveness as some of the other teams may have. Liz Cambage, uh, big personality, emotional, outspoken, as you all well know. Uh, have you coached anyone like her before, Bill, in, in the past? There really isn't anybody like Liz. Um, it's, it's, we always say Liz being Liz. Um, and because she's her own personality, uh, and rightly so, if you're six foot nine uh, and are known around the world, and yeah, and you, you want to be your own person, you don't want to be like a shrinking violet, or you want to be go hide, like you know, all way back when it's like Kareem. All right? Kareem for a large part of his career uh, went and hid uh, after his career was over, and then he became out and became a spokesperson and, and spoke his mind, but not while he was playing. Uh, so Liz is, you know, in today's world, that's what athletes do. Um, they speak up and they say who they are, and and that's Liz. Um, Liz is actually in a much better spot today than she's ever been in her basketball career uh, for enjoying what she's doing. Uh, she was miserable when she first got the WNBA because she was in Tulsa and didn't like the organization and just it was brutal. And then with Dallas, didn't like that one either, but she's in a good spot right now. Uh, she's doing everything we're asking her to do, but, you know, we just keep saying it. Liz is going to be Liz at times. <laughs> do you ever worry that there could be one of those moments, and, and we've seen her get emotional, you know, with referees and, you know, again, complain about calls and, and that sort of thing. Do you ever worry that, and then again, there's the always the social media aspect and things like that you got to worry about with, you, with young players as well, too. Do you ever, like, worry about that, especially, like, maybe during the game or maybe non-game stuff where you could wake up one morning and say, okay, now i got to deal with this? Um, worry about it on the front end? No, not really. Um, it is what it is. Uh, if something happens, it happens. You deal with it. Uh, so I'm not going to spend my time worrying about uh, if, if we're gonna, she's going to cause herself a problem or us a problem. That would just drive anybody crazy. If something happens, and I hope it doesn't, and she's very good at what she's doing right now, then we'll deal with it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, she loves this team. She loves Las Vegas. She seems to be having the time of her life, and, and she's performing you know, well in the court. I mean, shooting 57%. And uh, is she a better free throw shooter than you thought that uh, you might be getting? Because, I mean, she's pretty much money at the line as well, too. No. People like Liz, they realize that a free throw is more points on my scoring average. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so she's going to concentrate and make as many free throws and shoot as many free throws as she can because it's easier. Uh, so, no, I don't worry about Liz missing free throws very often because she, she wants more points. Yeah. With social media involved in the world today, how has that changed with dealing with players out there, and what would it have been like back in your day if there was social media around? Well, I don't know if I can go backwards um, because it wasn't. Um, the going in this world today, I don't deal with it. I don't pay attention to it. I don't read it. Uh, I don't get involved in it. Uh, so well, that's their business. They're they're grown. They're grown women. Um, they're going to do what they're going to do, and a lot of it is extremely positive for their brand and for their name recognition and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's occasional hiccups. Um, and I said, we'll deal with those, and the individual would deal with those. But for the most part, I think it's a positive for the athletes because it, it generates more opportunity for them. And that's what they're all, that's what they're in this business for. 
And you're very supportive of that uh, as well, too. He's Bill Lambeer, the head coach of the Las Vegas Aces. All-Star Game going to be here in Vegas again. I know a lot of people are very happy about that. It gives you time to go on vacation, so I know you're happy about that as well, too. Uh, a longer vacation, too. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> what are those plans, by the way? Anyway, where are you going? Uh, well, I'm probably going to get about, all said and done, about 17 days off. Um, so I'm going to probably maybe – not quite 20. Yeah. What do you think this is, the off-season? I mean, wow, look at this. Yeah, <laughs> Close to 20. Half, half the time I'll spend at my farm in Michigan, half the time I'll spend at my house in Florida. Okay. So all-star game rosters announced. Uh, Dierka Hamby and Liz Cambage, all-stars. Uh, of course, Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray uh, on the U.S. Uh, national team, the Olympic team, Kelsey Plum, the three-on-three. Um, hot, talk a little bit about the format of this game where it's going to be the WNBA All-Stars versus the national team. Do you think this is good for the league? And um, do you think we'll maybe actually have a game that is more a serious approach? Because I would think Don Stately would not want to turn this thing into like a shenanigans type of thing because obviously they're in training and they're getting ready and maybe even using it kind of as an exhibition game for the Olympics. Yeah, that's all the above. Um you know, I, I coached the, we called it the select team way back when, um, when we had one of the Olympic years. Uh, it was in New York City, and it was actually played in Radio City Musical uh, when the Liberty were playing there for that one year. Um, the It's not going to be a game. The, the USA team will, you know, beat the crap out of them to a point. Uh, but when I was a coach of the select team, yeah, we went and played a real game. I even put in zones um, because the USA team is going to see zones mm-hmm. overseas. Uh, and the game is going to happen because the USA team needs competition. Uh, they need to get some, some competitive games under their belt before they head overseas. There's going to be a couple of next, I think they're going to play the Australians or something like this, a couple, three games that they have. And this USA, WNBA All-Star team, is one of the games that's going to be played. I think it's good for the people who were selected for this game because they get name recognition and they quite, they get a little bonus money also. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I expect uh, the coaches, or Lisa Leslie and Tina Thompson, I expect them to uh, hold the players accountable and actually put on a real game, not like a regular all-star game where it's, you know, have some fun but still try to compete at the end. Uh, USA basketball is not going to want that. They're going to want a real action. Yeah. One of the new wrinkles in the Olympics this year is the three-on-three tournament as well. What do you think about that? Because obviously you dominated and you had a great career playing the five-on-five, but I don't know. You mentioned how not everybody's old enough to remember you back in the playing days. I am old enough. And I remember when they used to have that one-on-one basketball tournament, and uh, you dominated on that as well. So you didn't necessarily need four teammates around you to look good. Yeah, the three-on-three is kind of a quirky thing. I never really quite understood it. Um I don't know why they have it, but then again, I don't know why they have the big three or whatever they, they call themselves <laughs> right, and, right. And, and try to make money and put fans in the stands and, you know, with a bunch of also has been people. Um, I don't, it's, it's entertainment. Uh, and now it's spilled over into an Olympic sport. Uh, will it maintain Olympic sport? Time will tell. I don't think so. But <laughs> you never know. Uh, I'm a traditionalist, and but this just doesn't. I just don't understand it. And enough said. Does that mean, Bill, you're not a fan of rhythmic gymnastics? Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> you said that. I did. <laughs> All right. Tomorrow's game. Uh, you got the day off today. You're playing the same team again. Then you come back home for for three games. Uh, talk a little bit about the stretch coming up here. Uh, complacency for the next game. Uh, you always have to fight that when you play somebody and, and they, they didn't play well and, and we played pretty decent. Uh, so it, the same intensity has to happen uh, for the next game against the Sparks. Uh, that we have not seen Atlanta this year uh, so far, so we're kind of flying blind a little bit from a player perspective. Coaches know who they are, but the players kind of don't. So we have to educate them really quick in one day on what they're walking into with Atlanta. Uh, and then we go back to a normal pattern every other day uh, and just trying to keep as healthy as possible and get the rest. You're not going to get much practice time. And hopefully at the end of the break, uh, we're able to use guys um, with the pandemic lessening. And hopefully we can use guys to practice because it's very difficult to practice with nine players. Mm-hmm. And every team in the league is complaining about that. So 
We'll see how it all works out. Uh, we're just trying to crank out wins as much as possible here to the break. We've got some very hard games, but they're all games that we can win also. You got it. All right, Bill Lambier, head coach of the Las Vegas Aces. Bill, we appreciate you spending some time with us today uh, on your off day, and uh, good luck again tomorrow night in L.A. for that next game against the Sparks, and uh, I'll see you over the weekend. You got it, guys. Thanks. All right, there he is, Bill Lambier. Aces, 12-4 and four right now, playing some very good basketball. And, you know, another thing, too, and you and I have, have, have touched about this, uh, Frank, you know, with the Golden Knights season over and the Raiders in the off season, and they'll have training camp, you know, starting here in about 30 days, this is a time for the Aces to really grab the community, to have it all to themselves. And for the next month, you've got, you know, three home games coming up. You're going to have the WNBA All-Star game here, and then you're going to have the women's team as well as the men's team playing these other exhibitions. This is a big time for basketball in Las Vegas, and the Aces have a great opportunity of having the best record at the, uh, at the break and got a chance to win four or five games in a row here. I think this is a big time, uh, and I hope that fans, if they haven't, got in tune with the Aces yet that this is a time that they can focus on it because they, they have the city to themselves right now from a sports perspective. Well, they do pretty much. And like you mentioned, this whole city is going to be focused on basketball with the Team USA's and that training out here and doing other things as well. So and not even focus, to mention the Summer League, too. No, and and yeah. that's what I mean. The yeah. Summer League, the, the Team USA and everything else. So the focus is going to be on basketball. The only local professional major league club out here is the Aces. So, you know, that should certainly be a focal point for people. And uh, the one thing that I'm curious about, and I don't know if you've heard any updates or not, is are they opening up the Michelob Ultra Arena to more fans? When is that going to happen? Why hasn't it happened yet? I don't understand how the Golden Knights can have 18,000 people there and they don't at Mandalay Bay. It's a, but, but again, I don't understand all the protocols and this, that, and the other, but it just seems kind of crazy. If you want to use the argument, well, okay, with the Aviators, it's an outdoor event, so things are different. Mm-hmm. T-Mobile and Mandalay Bay are... They're both indoor arenas. Why is one full? Yeah. Why is one not? It, I, I don't get it's it. It's a great question, and the only answer that I, that I have for you, and again, I've talked with Bill about this, is we didn't ask him today, uh, but I asked him about this last week, and the answer was this is the WNBA's thing. It's their decision. Okay. They want to be ultra-cautious. Kind of like how we had to wear a mask in the media section because it was Correct. an NHL thing, yeah. not a T-Mobile thing. But here, to your point, we went to the fights the last three weeks, and, it, you know, with a capacity of around 2,000 fans pretty much packed on top of each other, and it was perfectly okay, no mass required. But the WNBA just, they want to be so careful because they don't want the spread of this. And here's a little side note, too. The WNBA has 99% of their players now vaccinated, which is, which is fantastic, more so than Major League Baseball, the NFL. And the NFL is getting ready to go through a lot of question marks and issues with that. But with all that being said, why... Aren't there allowed more fans? And they're thinking maybe when they come back from the Olympic Games, they'll open it up, but they're not willing to do it before then, which is too bad. Yeah. So the answer right now is there is no solid answer. It's just the way that league is doing they're, it. They're being cautious. They want to, they're want they overly cautious. That's that's where, where the answer is with that. So, and I know fans want to get there, and it's too bad for the Aces because they have such a great team, 12-4, and four, best record with Seattle right now at this point in time. And they could get six or seven or eight thousand fans in the Mandalay. Well, and like you say, right now with nothing else going on, they kind of dominate yeah. the sports scene. Yeah. But people can't see and them the, live. And we see all the NBA guys that come during the summer for here for summer league, and and they can't attend. You know, it's crazy. All right, appreciate Bill Lambier for joining us. Matthew Holt's going to join us on the other side. We got Trevor Bauer to talk about. With that, we got the uh, the. The name, image, and likeness scenario. We're going to talk with Matthew Holt. A lot of good stuff coming up in hour number two.